Greetings and salutations there, Decasters. This is Andy, and unfortunately, this week of all weeks, I had a family situation I had to tend to, and we were unable to record this week's episode of the Decast, which is unfortunate, I know, because Star Wars Celebration was this last week, Avengers Endgame is next week, there's a lot to talk about, but we didn't want to leave you guys hanging. So what we decided to do, myself and the other Decasters, is share an interview I did about two years ago with two amazing documentary filmmakers. This last weekend, I got to see a lot of documentaries at the Ashland Film Festival, and it gave me this renewed passion for documentaries. I love documentaries. I am graduating from film school uh, with a concentration in documentaries. I am producing a documentary. I hope to make documentaries with my career. And before I even started all that, I got to sit down with these two documentarians and talk about their film, Floyd Norman, and Animated Life. Michael Fiore and Eric Sharkey followed Floyd Norman, the first African-American animator at the Walt Disney Company, followed him around and told his story of how he broke barriers, not just of race and of class, but of ageism as well. Floyd Norman is an amazing man who at every turn of some sort of innovation in animation, he was there, whether it was at Pixar, Disney, or Hanna-Barbera. It was a great interview and a great time. So please enjoy this kind of rewind episode of the Decast and let us know what you think. Decasters, this is Andy here, and I am joined by the co-directors of the new feature-length documentary, Floyd Norman and Animated Life, Michael Fiore and Eric Sharkey. They're here with me on the line talking about their new, their documentary, which is now on Blu-ray. I just saw this documentary. I got it on iTunes on Saturday night. It is amazing, guys. I loved it. Um, go ahead and just introduce yourselves. Tell us a little about yourselves and uh, what you do, who you are. I'm Mike Fiore. I uh, had the great pleasure of making this movie with Eric Sharkey. Uh, thank you for having us on, Andy. It's it's a thrill to be here and share not only our experiences making the movie, but uh, share uh, Floyd's story as well. There's so many layers to the man that you need more than just the movie sometimes to, to know what uh, he's all about. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I am Eric Sharkey, and uh, I made this film about Floyd with Michael Fiore. And it, uh, like Michael said, it's been a huge honor for us to make a film about a true Disney legend. And uh, we're so glad you liked it. Yes, I, I loved it. I'm so surprised. I hadn't heard about this film before till I got the email. And I'm like, why haven't I not heard about this before? I've always been a huge fan of Floyd Norman. Just his history. A while back, uh, I did uh, some some profiles on uh, different Disney imag- uh, Imagineers and, and animators, and he was one of them. And I just love his story. I remember seeing him on the View and other shows when uh, Meryl Streep did her whole thing. And you guys brought up in the documentary, and I've always just loved the guy. He was just amazing. Just. Uh, really, really, it was very exciting to hear that there was a documentary about this guy. So um, talk a little bit about how and why this film got started. What what was what did the process look like to get this thing rolling and off the ground? Well, I uh, first met Floyd at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, mm-hmm. and uh, I was there uh, promoting a documentary that I had made about a famous post artist named Drew Struzan, mm-hmm. who did a lot of the iconic Star Wars and Indiana Jones posters. He did the Back to the Future posters. So we were there, and uh, Floyd came to one of our events, and I just remember, like, after being introduced to him, that he was just, like, so charismatic. 
And he had these, like, amazing stories about this long history in animation. And what really floored me is when he casually brought up that he worked with Walt Disney on The Jungle Book. <laughs> and I was blown away. I was just, like, blown away because you don't hear that every day. And The Jungle Book was my personal favorite Disney movie growing up. So, uh, and then, you know, he talked about working at Hanna-Barbera and working at Pixar. And, and I just thought he would make for a great movie. Like, more people should know about him. And then sometime after, I met Michael, and Michael was looking to uh, produce a new film, and we got to talking, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful to Michael that he wanted to make this movie. Yeah, Eric and I had never worked together before, but I knew of Eric through our uh, mutual friend and uh, music composer, Ryan Shore, who did an amazing job on uh, our Floyd Dorman doc, and he had just worked with Eric on the Drew Struzan documentary, so I had heard of Eric's name through Ryan, and just one day I asked, uh, I was coming off of another movie, which is kind of a bigger, um, it was a scripted film, kind of a lot of Hollywood players, so it was like dragging an elephant around, uh-huh. you know, to get it made, and it was a great experience, but it was, you know, I wanted to jump into something that was wholly creative, and a documentary seemed very appealing to me. I had made a lot of documentary shorts, like you would see as bonus features on uh, Blu-rays and DVDs for other notable feature films. Um, but I really wanted to jump into feature documentaries. So I um, cold-called Eric, and he told me a bunch of ideas for movies he was thinking of doing, and Floyd's story just jumped out at me. And, you know, it was I always say it's like a bolt of lightning struck me, and we got together twice over a couple of weeks. Uh, this was in the winter of 2014, and about five weeks after the first time we spoke, we were sitting with Floyd in March of 2014, uh, interviewing him, and the movie became very real. And, uh, you know, we went into it knowing that he was the first black animator, artist, story man at Disney. Mm-hmm. And we kind of went in there thinking we were going to tell this story that may have a lot to do with race. And along the way, we started to realize that, wow, Floyd is kind of so many things, not just in animation, but kind of like American history. So we started to call him the Forrest Gump of animation. So when we pulled back that letter and said, okay, now we're, he's the Forrest Gump of animation who's been a part of like everything you can think of. So we went in thinking we were going to make a movie about the first African-American artist, animator, story man. And because Floyd is very quick to diffuse race in his narrative, we started to realize that that wasn't really going to be the angle that the movie was going to take. Um, So along the way, what we started to realize, what became pretty clear was that the the kind of hook to Floyd's story is ageism. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that was able to avoid racism in the pre-civil rights U.S., working in animation and, you know, being one of the only African-Americans working in animation in that 50s, 60s time period. Um, he was the only one at Disney. At that yeah. Time. Yeah. And so, you know, it was it became clear that his biggest battle in his career was ageism when he got forced retired from Disney 
on his 65th birthday. Yeah. So the, the story evolved, you know, Eric and I, where I think Eric and I came together on the movie before we even started filming was this understanding that we wanted to make a love story, you know, a story about a man who loves his craft, his wife, his ex-wife, his family. Um, so it really was a love letter. And I think that was the constant for us throughout the whole process. That never changed. Mm-hmm. But kind of the conflict in Floyd's life, our point of view on that shifted as we got to know Floyd and a lot of the people that are in the movie and as they shared their stories with us. Awesome. Yeah, and we and we also definitely wanted to add a lot of humor in the film as well because <laughs> one of the great things about Floyd is no matter what kind of hardship he goes through, he always looks at life through a satirical way, like a Disney story person. So, you know, he draws these great cartoons about uh, what's happening in his life, and they're so funny. And so, we definitely wanted to show that side of him that like he looked at life in a humorous way, and so we you know, uh, found all these great uh, animators to animate gags that Floyd did for the movie. Like, Floyd did these original gags to highlight scenes from his life. And uh, so it's a, it's a mixture of, like, you know, the, the dramatic elements, but the humor that, that Floyd uh, looked at the world through, you know? Yeah, I was actually wondering about that, the different gags in there, if those were his original stuff, because it looked like his style. And I'm like, did he do that? And they were, it was amazing and hilarious the whole time. You really saw Floyd shine through in, uh, during those gags on, on, in the documentary. Um, yeah, they were basically he – Eric and I had a first cut of the movie, and we knew we were going to put animation into the film. Um, and we wanted Floyd's – satirical voice to be in there. So what we did is we sat down and we said, what are like 20 to 30 moments that either didn't have enough B roll to kind of cover the narrative beats that were being told mm-hmm. and, or would be um, escalated to a higher, better, funnier place by having animation. And yeah. so we came up with this list that we both liked, and then Floyd was awesome. He took our lead of, like, the list of the moments, and we sent him basically the the audio, radio cut of those segments, and he watched them all, and then within a couple of days' time, he turned around, you know, 20 to 30 of these single gag images that then informed our... 10 or so animators all around the world to then use those as not only a character style guide, but also to inform the kind of the comedic narrative of the animated sequences. And what's really cool is on our Blu-ray release, one of the many extra features is a side-by-side comparison. So you'll see Floyd's single image gag and then it'll cross-dissolve and show you the animation. And what you really realize when you see them side-by-side side like that, that Floyd truly is in like every aspect of the animation mm-hmm. throughout the entire movie, which is really was very special for Eric and I. Yeah, the, the, the whole thing just kind of it screamed out Floyd and every little bit of the animation you saw there. And you were wondering, did he draw this or did he inspired this? He wrote that. And it's just really good to hear that. 
Um, as far as the, the 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 process of production goes, how did that go? As far as working with Floyd, time frame you had interviews with his family, with celebrities, with other Disney legends. Talk about just the the process of the actual production of the film. Well, we started shooting right away after me and Michael started talking. I mean, I think it was like within like a week or like a month we were shooting. Yeah, on the first day, uh, we shot with uh, Floyd at the drawing board, like drawing all these great moments of his life and uh, at Disney. And then the second day of shooting was actually on the Disney lot, which was great to walk around with Floyd. And and there's so much history on the lot there where they made all these classic films and he's walking around telling us uh, about everything. But, you know, then uh, you get into the process of doing all these uh, amazing interviews, but uh, they lead into other interviews because they tell these great stories and then Floyd will react to their stories. And then, and then that leads to having to interview more people to get more stories. Uh, yeah, it was amazing process, but at least to a lot of footage, you know. Yes. I always say that to, to Eric's point, it's the rabbit hole syndrome. You know, once you go down one rabbit hole, <laughs> there's about, you know, three or four other tunnels you can go down. And, and that's the most challenging part of making being a documentary because obviously you're dealing with budgetary constraints time constraints, mm-hmm. um, the availability of people can be limited. And being that Eric and I are New Yorkers and Floyd and a majority of the folks we interviewed are in Los Angeles or San Francisco, mm-hmm. we had to be very, very precise about how often we traveled to Los Angeles. So we would try to put a lot of the interviews around particular events. So like we knew Floyd was going to go do the quick draw at Mm Comic-Con. It was one of those things where, okay, who can we get? Can we get anybody while we're at Comic-Con or while we're in town for Comic-Con, can we just get a bunch of other interviews? I remember we had one day where we did, Eric, when we went to San Francisco to, to meet um, Ralph Guggenheim, was that the day we did like three interviews in one day? Yeah, in like, San Francisco and in L.A. We did like yeah. <laughs> oh, we, yeah, we literally went from, we were in San Francisco, met with Ralph. We came back, I think we did two that night. Um, yeah. And, you know, that was the kind of thing you had to do if you were, you know, were only in L.A. for three days or something. So we were always very mindful of it because the movie is self-financed. So it's not one of those projects where, you know, you had a studio that had, you know, some sort of unlimited or even not unlimited, but, you know, some sort of additional money that if you ran into trouble, it was like, no, this was coming out of my bank account. (laughs) It's like, we're going to be really mindful. And, you know, we, we, we really did do it on a dime, which was great. Um, And partially because of, how great the people were who were in the movie, they made it very easy for us and they were very welcoming. So that helped for sure. And it's amazing because a lot of the shoots were just me and Michael, just the two of us. Uh, but they look so great. They look like we had a full crew, you know, uh, but it was just the two of us doing it. 
That is absolutely amazing to hear. Just watching it, how beautiful it looked on my TV, just streaming it on iTunes. I, that is amazing to hear. Just the two of you with the sound. The sound quality was excellent. The the shots are beautiful. That that they had a, literally a skeleton crew like that. Uh, such an awesome job, guys. It really was, and to be able to knock things out like that and so quickly. I'm absolutely amazed. I'm working with a production right now where we've been. Uh, it's like a documentary style show where we've been working on pre production for two years now. I'm like one of the things that we did when we were getting the Floyd doc started, which, you know, you, you, you approach every project differently, you know, depending on your goals or your budget. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we did was we wanted that first trip that Eric had mentioned earlier, where we were at Floyd's house and we went on the Disney lot with him. We tried to cover his entire life story in that trip so that, not only did we kind of just know the A to Z of everything, but also um, it, we benefited to go make a sizzle reel mm -hmm. to then, you know, show that to the Whoopi Goldbergs and the Don Hans and these folks who are, you know, truly A-list professionals yeah. who, you know, might not be immediately willing without seeing a little something. Mm -hmm. So to any filmmakers out there who might be listening, I suggest, and I'm sure Eric can back me up on this, it's always best when you get a project started to really try to get the entire story very quickly, very inexpensively, so that you can kind of do something with it right out of the gate just to garner interest, whether that's financial support, or people getting involved, um, like your interviewees. And then also for you as the filmmaker or filmmakers for, you know, in Eric in my case, we had just such a great understanding of Floyd by the time we came back from that first trip. Mm -hmm. So we were having kind of these strategy meetings saying, well, there's so many different ways we could go with this story. Like, <laughs> what, what, yeah. you know, what should be the story? I mean, that's always evolving in the process. But yeah. Eric and I had many yeah. phone calls like that over the first couple months. But that grew out of getting as much as we could in that first trip. Awesome. And that first trip was so great, like Michael was saying, because we have all this great foundation of stuff with Floyd that when we did interview people like Don Hahn or Whoopi Goldberg or Dean DeBois, uh, you know, we, we already knew the things we wanted to ask them because Floyd had given us so much that we knew, oh, we can get them to talk about this movie or this story. or And so, you know, we can use them effectively to build a narrative. So. That that's absolutely amazing. Um, I know myself. I went into this film expecting it to be very much about race, and was so surprised um, how, like you had talked about earlier, Floyd just deflected that um, at every turn. Which I wasn't surprised once I, I remember what I knew about Floyd and how he talked about Walt Disney and how um, Disney hired him just because he was good at what he did. Um, but then the ageism came out. Was that something you were expecting for it to come out? And, and how, how, as filmmakers, do you deal with that when you go into a project expecting one thing and something completely different comes out? Yeah, I, I totally was not expecting the ageism angle. Um, and, you know, Floyd right away made it very clear that he loved his experience working at Disney when Walt Disney was alive, that mm -hmm. he admires Walt Disney and he considers him the greatest boss he ever had. 
and then it was shocking to us, right, Michael, that like uh, that he, he was let go at 65, considering this amazing career he's had with the, the company. Uh, we were taken off guard by that, and then, and then we definitely had to, to really address that in the film. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things about Floyd you see in the movie is that he's super, super humble. Yes. And he's, you know, very quick to to um, celebrate the positive in everything from his career to his family life. So what I think happened for Eric and I was that in that initial week where we sat down with Floyd and his wife um, and took the tour of Disney, we got the surface of the onion. And then we started to pull back layers on return visits to them. And it was, it was very rare that Floyd was the one that would tell us that his forced retirement at 65, for instance, was very hard on him. It took interviewing others. So we started, I think, realize what the narrative was, not because of Floyd telling us it was because of other people. We, we, we did a couple interviews with Adrian. Some footage never made it in from like the first shoot or two, but then there was a very telling one we did at their house kind of midway through the process that I think opened up a lot of kind of informative doors for us. And we started to realize, wow, he really did have a hard time with the forced retirement, which goes back to what Eric was saying earlier about, you know, rabbit holes suddenly you go, oh, man. <laughs> now it's almost like we have a whole other movie to make now. Yeah. Um, but, um, again, because everybody was so generous, you know, you could either re-knock on certain doors or, you know, they're just willing to give you the information that you needed. Um, yeah. So it was an evolving process. Adrian is great because she just tells it like it is. She gets right to it. I, mm-hmm. I love how direct she is. Whereas Floyd communicates more through art. Uh, so while, after he was let go, he has a lot of cartoons that he did that are pretty biting and they're hilarious. And so he expressed himself that way. But a lot of times it was like Adrian was the one who gave you like the real deal story. You know, so she she added so much to the movie too. If our listeners, uh, Adrian was is Floyd's current wife, correct? Yes. Yes. Adrian's uh, his wife. Yes. Um, So what was it like just to work with the man, Floyd Norman, just as a person, just on a personal level, cameras off just to sit and talk with him? What was that like? I mean, it's a huge honor. I mean, uh, first of all, the the never-ending stories that he has. I mean, as we were shooting, he would just drop new stories on us where you go, why didn't you tell us that earlier? Like, when we were shooting at Comic-Con, we were out to lunch, and he casually brought up that he did the uh, train, the animated train for Soul Train. (laughs) And uh, we were like, wow, dude, that's, like, iconic, you know? So he's pretty much worked on everything. I mean, you name a movie or a TV show, if there's animation involved, he was probably involved in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, I, I'm just amazed by his longevity, the way he's never given up and how much he truly loves film and filmmaking and animation and cartooning. It's like, no matter what obstacles he has in his life, he just loves doing it so much. And the fact that he doesn't want to retire, the fact that he's in his eighties and he's like, I still love this. He still has 
a childlike wonder for animation and for, for filmmaking. And it's, it's really inspiring. I mean, it's his whole life, the body of work. I mean, the guy worked with Walt Disney on Jungle Book. He, he worked on Sleeping Beauty, mm -hmm. and then he worked for Hanna-Barbera. He made black history films uh, uh, back in the 60s when they were so desperately needed. He worked uh, for Pixar, you know. So, I mean, the, the, the man's had an amazing career, but he also loves what he does, and he's never lost that. So that, that's been a really inspiring thought. People always say to us, you know, we'll go to a screening somewhere and do Q&As. And I remember, I think it was in one in Los Angeles when we, we were in consideration for the Oscars this year and we were doing a big push and for one of our Oscar screenings, somebody was, was actually kind of almost defensive being like, there's no way he can be this nice. Like almost <laughs> like we've editorialized who Floyd Norman is. And he wasn't, this is one of the few screenings Floyd actually wasn't at with us. Floyd's great. Floyd and Adrian always loved to come to the Q and A's and take part, but this one he couldn't cause he had another event. And so we couldn't, use Floyd in the room as our ammunition to go, no, look, he really is like this. But the reality is, and probably the greatest compliment that we've gotten is that people that know him have seen the movie and they've said, you guys did such an amazing job of capturing who he is. When you're done watching it, you felt like you had 90 minutes with the real Floyd Norman. Yeah. And for us, I think that's the greatest compliment because, you know, every movie, there's a takeaway. You know, there's some movies where it's, you know, it's about, you know, was it suspenseful or scary if the horror movie or, you know, and for me and, and Eric, if you want to add to this, my, but for me, my personal feeling is with a documentary, it's a time capsule. And my goal was always to create something where a hundred years from now people could go, wow, that's what it was like to not only work at Disney, but this is what it was like to be with Floyd Norman for 90 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely want to capture these stories from these amazing artists while they're here, you know, because uh, Floyd's life experience is amazing, all the projects he's worked on. It's, mm -hmm. it's so inspiring. And, you know, you want to get these stories now, and you're right, you want people should know about Floyd. He's an important part of animation history, and it's so great that we, I mean, it's an honor for us to be able to tell his story so future generations can refer to it. How are people reacting to the film as a whole? What's the overall reception you're getting? Oh, it's been tremendous. Um, our, for a while, we, we did our theatrical run in August, uh, late August of 2016, to qualify for the Oscars. And we were, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, you know, acts kind of as the barometer. And we I think we were at a hundred percent on both critic and the fan side for many, many weeks. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, cut to seven months later, I think we're at like 92% for critics and 90% for uh, general public, which is still but amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, we were thrilled with the response and what's, what's great is, you know, Floyd's life and his story there's so many things it connects to. So, you know, it's a story about a father, it's a story about a African American, it's a story about an animator. So we've seen these kind of peaks and valleys throughout the whole last eight months in the sense that 
you're like, you know, once you think, oh, okay, well, now it's on Netflix, so we're getting this huge, you know, a, a bit of attention from it coming out back in November of 2016 on Netflix. Um, but then, you know, after two months, it kind of calms down. But then all of a sudden, because it is a story about an African-American man, when Black History Month came, oh, forget it. The attention just, you know, it was a huge swell again from the interest in the Blu-ray to mm-hmm. just like social media. So it's great because his story is going to, I think every year there's going to be certain periods of the year, Father's Day even, like, as again, I, I mean, he's just such a, a great role model even as a, a family man to, to have a balance of of his work life and his family um, and to persevere in a career that's very nomadic and to have a family. Um, I, you know, we're going to see, I think, a resurgence of the movie different times over the years, and, and that's great for sharing his story and, and having it live on. Yeah, I, I personally love when people see the film and they're even Disney fans and they go, I've never heard of Floyd Norman. Like, really? Why haven't I heard about him sooner? And then they fall in love with him mm-hmm. or people who are interested in animation and they say, oh, my God, it, it's inspired me to pursue my dreams or pick up a pencil and, and, and do what I'm passionate about. You know, so the, the reaction has been amazing from critics and from audiences. And, I, and it, it's great to see. When people are inspired by it, and it's uh, and it's great to see how Disney fans are, are reacting. Those who know about him, and those who are just learning about him. Yeah. When when you see what Eric's saying about people getting inspired, I mean, there's all different ways. But one of the ways that really always touches my heart is when you see little kids for their school yeah. project dress up like Floyd. Oh, and, amazing! And if you go if you go on social media. And just like, you know, look up the hashtag of either Floyd Norman or Floydering. Like there's certain terms people use, or even Floyd Norman in the animated life as like one run on sentence. You'll see like many, many kids across the country have used him towards their school project. And it's like, that's incredible. When I was a kid, like, you know, you dress up as Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Now we have kids are dressing up as Floyd Norman. That's <laughs> so fantastic. That absolutely. Um, that that that's you're changing the culture, and that's what he's done is changing yeah. the culture, and people are are finding out this guy exists. There's it's it's amazing. Uh, you talked about floitering, and let's uh, talk a little bit about what you guys are doing with your Blu-ray sales right now. Yeah, so we have a contest that we actually. We're in phase two, let's call it. We we awarded our first winner about six weeks ago. And it's a very simple, easy-to-do contest where you have a chance to meet and hang out with Floyd. Um, we call it the Floydering with Floyd Norman contest. And if you go to uh, floydnormanmovie.com, you can order a Blu-ray uh, from the site. And all you need to do once you've received your Blu-ray is take a photo of yourself uh, floydering, for lack of a better term, um, with your... Blu-ray. Now, floitering is explained in the movie, but real quick, it's basically the hybrid of two words. Floyd's name, obviously, Mm -hmm. and then the word loitering. So it makes floitering. And, you know, Floyd, when he got forced retired from Disney, someone at the company uh, referred to Floyd's act of kind of hanging out around Disney as floitering. So if you um, post this photograph of yourself with the Blu-ray, 
hashtag floitering, F-L-O-Y-D-E-R-I-N-G. We will pick one person at random to be brought to Burbank, California, to have lunch on the Disney lot with Floyd and have a really one-of-a-kind tour of the Disney lot. Our last winner, our first winner that uh, from a few weeks ago, uh, Tiffany Libcumin, from she comes from the uh, Bay Area. She had a magnificent time, and one of the amazing things that uh, Floyd was able to arrange was a tour of uh, Walt's original office, oh, wow. which has been remade from archival photographs, all the original desks and tchotchkes and everything that Walt had. And if you want to go online, go on our Facebook page, which is Floyd, uh, I believe it's Floyd Norman movie on Facebook. Um, We're on Twitter and um, Instagram as well. And uh, there's videos of her tour uh, photographs. So you can kind of see what you uh, possibly will win. Um, But it's, it's really a one of a kind opportunity, not only to, obviously spend time with Floyd, but to get to see parts of the Disney lot that really aren't open to the public. Yeah. So it's, it's one of a kind. Yeah. And, it, and we have the best day with uh, Tiffany, like Michael was saying, we went to Walt's original office and they preserved it exactly the way it was when he died. And, and to walk around the lot with her and with Floyd and to see how happy she was because she loved Disney and animation to see how happy she was to walk around on the lot and Floyd's telling her all these stories on the lot is a, is a really great experience. So. And by the way, some of the stories are stories that Eric and I were never told. Why didn't you get that in the documentary? <laughs> well, no, as, as Eric said earlier, if there's one way that Floyd always surprises us, it's by like you think the well is deep. Mm. I think the well is bottomless because every time we see him, he comes up with something new, and we always look at him like, "Why didn't you tell us that for the movie?" <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but that's why the movie the movie covers a lot of ground, but really, it's in some ways kind of you know the first few notes in a song where there's there's still so much you can learn about him. And the fact that he's still with us is probably the greatest gift that we all could have. So I highly recommend if you see us doing a screening in your town or at your college or at a museum near you, and you see that Floyd is going to be there as a part of a master class or Q&A, I highly recommend you try to attend because you'll learn so much, so, so much. Yeah, and Floyd loves sharing these stories, and you, you'll also you might luck out and get a drawing. He's also very generous about doing drawings for people. Wow. Yeah, totally. Uh, always worth it to spend time with Floyd Norman. That's for sure. Well, Michael, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to the listeners of the Decast, and uh, you guys put an amazing film out and about an amazing man. And if you guys want to know more about the film, go to floydnormanmovie dot com and enter into Floydering by all means. This is an amazing thing. I. I or yeah, just go do it. If you all of you guys are Disney fans who are listening, I know, and this is something you want to get in on just to get the Blu-ray. Um, it's an amazing. So, guys, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, thank Randy. you for having us. It was awesome. My pleasure. Hey guys, thanks for listening to my interview with Eric Sharkey and Michael Fiore, directors of An Animated Life, the documentary about Floyd Norman. It was an amazing conversation, and I know as myself now, as a, a budding 
documentarian, that, that conversation was really essential to me developing as I, as I got into film school. So it was a great time. If you guys want to check out the documentary Floyd Norman and animated life, it's on Netflix currently. So you can go on Netflix, check it out. I would highly encourage you to do it. Tell your friends about it. Uh, this, I, I see this documentary get shared a lot in the Disney chat rooms quite a bit. It kind of goes through its rotations and it, the story is timeless. And Floyd Norman is an amazing, an amazing animator and, and this guy all around. I would love to interview him personally on the show. So if anybody knows him, let me know. I'd like to get a hold of him. I've been trying for a while actually. So guys, also make sure you check out all of the social media network stuff we got going on. Uh, just go to the decast.net, the decast.net. And we have a new website up. It's ready to go. All of our social links are there. You can also leave us an iTunes review. Uh, listen to us on Spotify, our Heart Radio, or on YouTube. Also, if uh, you're in Southern Oregon, we're going to be announcing this Friday, the winner of the in-game tickets at Cinemark Tinseltown. And uh, yeah, just let us know what you thought of the interview. And hopefully we will be back next week with the next episode of The D-Cast. You are now listening to a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to Disney Podcast family on Instagram to see all the latest posts for this show and links to other great Disney podcasts.